Um, hi everyone, my name is Talia Smith and I'm the curator for the 2020 edition of the Churchy Emerging Art Prize. With me I have Nathan Beard, an interdisciplinary artist and finalist based in Perth, Western Australia. For the exhibition, Nathan presents an installation of photographs including found and archival imagery called White Guilt 3.0. Thank you for coming and chatting to me, coming online. I'd really like to start our chat off with hearing in your own words what this installation is about. So I think the body of work is the third iteration of a series of works where I've really looked at the importance of hand gestures in Thai culture, specifically how I access the meaning behind those gestures given my Thai Australian background. So there's a gesture called the Y, which is a customary greeting in Thailand. So you have your hands clasped in front of you and it's originally dates to the 12th century. And it's a way of indicating that you weren't armed with any weapons. For me growing up in Perth, it was a gesture that I oftentimes felt like I was being asked to perform and I had this sort of uh, resentment at having to try to incorporate this gesture into greeting my family and my mum's friends as a traditional sort of sign of respect. And so uh, I expanded outwards from those memories, this sense of cultural inferiority or cultural, I guess, inauthenticity. And I've introduced a, a body of work that explores other types of hand gestures from found in different aspects of traditional high culture in order to try to create this sort of layered visually interesting collage of images that that really speaks to that in-between cultural space. Hmm. It's kind of a shame because that symbol has definitely been co-opted by white woman yoga <laughs> and you know eat pray love types so I guess like it kind of, there's like a bit of a humour to the work for me in that way because yeah. although you know, I'm not Thai Australian but because I have those connotations with that sign because yeah that's something that I have experienced I guess in popular culture it's become this strange symbol that people have co-opted to mean peace. Yeah when you think about the way that it sort of has infiltrated popular culture like that, my mind immediately went to Valerie Cherish, the character that Lisa Kudrow played in The Comeback. So, um, yeah, she was always constantly making that gesture, which is hilarious because I think her uh, sort of character in that series really typifies this sort of like hyper awareness of your own sort of insecurities and all of that sort of thing as well so I think there's a nice little corollary there where I guess I'm tapping into my inner Valerie Cherish uh, in making the body of work. I think also with your practice and in this work in particular you know what resonates with me is yeah I guess like that cultural struggle you know I have um, felt that a lot of authenticity and what it means to be you know a good in my instance a good pacific girl or you know like what is a good example and what is a bad example and trying to fit into these like strange um kind of western ideology um ideologies that are always pushed upon us when we're growing up and i think that is something that we all in the diaspora kind of 
can sort of relate to each other. Like, despite coming from such different backgrounds, we all can sort of have that struggle uh, with that. I was kind of, I guess, like, you know, in my own study that I'm doing and I'm looking at how I enact my culture and traditions while being so removed from this idea of ancestral homelands. You know, I wasn't born there, and so that then adds another layer of distance between me and my culture. I was wondering how you feel that enacting your version of culture plays out in your work, how you enact it or embody it. I think the way that I approach it is, I guess I'm, I'm trying to access a combination of personal histories and memories that are triggered by different cultural references but as they're sort of filtered through a popular imagination or a popular culture. So with this idea of tiness that I'm always trying to investigate in my work, it has its roots in a sort of unrootedness, if that makes sense, because it's, it's constantly shifting and evolving and hybrid. And a lot of that is due to Thailand's history of having not been colonized, but a traditional idea of Thai culture being absorbed through its neighboring countries as well. And so I, I, I sort of approach this idea, this conceptualization of, 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 what, of what an authentic Thai culture means with this sense of playfulness and uh, I guess like an elastic sort of approach to it. I think about I think about archives of family photos and how I access those and how other people may sort of approach them as well as sort of like signifiers of, of, of the other. Yeah, I, I guess with this body of work in particular, I'm using sort of decorous things, using orchids, and fake nails and layers of, of like Swarovski crystals and things like that to sort of evoke the sort of aesthetic vibrancy of just the types of signifiers that I grew up with. So I'm thinking of my mum's shrines around her home, her garden, the temple uh, aesthetic that we used to visit. That's really interesting. I think also you know, I'm from New Zealand and, you know, we have a very large Pacific Island culture. And so like, that's really been embodied in the way that, are, you know, in everything and culture, popular culture and all of that. It has, you know, I, we have shows from when I was a kid, you know, we had Pacific Islanders that were on the main TV shows like Shortland Street, which is our version of, you know, Home and Away or Neighbours or something like that. And I think, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you necessarily had that kind of experience am I wrong or right like were there many at least Thai characters on you know in Australian popular culture you know it's to yeah. me very um whitewashed Thai culture that I have learned to know in New Zealand as well and Australia yeah. rather than authentic or at least coming from actual Thai people yeah so like I think of the sort of the most um vivid recollection of uh, Thai culture as presented in like an Australian media I can think of always revolved around um, these weird uh, orientalizing and, and um, sexist tropes of 
uh, male lot of brides uh, always being featured in like uh, current affair exposés and things like that. And uh, the same thing about um, their like, you know, the harsh conditions of their carceral system. So there was always, uh, it always sort of pinged in my memory every time there was a story about an Australian that was like sent to prison in Thailand for drug trafficking or something like that. Um, but I think uh, the media that I'm sort of thinking of that had like a pretty instrumental role of kind of seeing this sort of like fantasy of Tainas play out was just the film version of The King and I. Um, so the, the Yul Brynner musical, the Rodgers and Hammerson one, um, it was sort of like, for me, uh, this sense of like, Oh, is that is that an authentic representation of my mum's culture? Yeah. <laughs> like, what is this fantasy that plays out? Like, sure, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of this also the second season of um, Top of the Lake. You know, it did it did get credit oh, yeah. for the fact that it was still doing these old tropes of you know these like poor Asian woman being forced into prostitution or the old drug trafficking and that kind of thing in Australia and this like dark underbelly that um, is apparently there. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but it was more like the same old kind of trope all the time, even as recent as what, a couple of years ago when that was or five years ago or something. Yeah. 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 It's within mm. the last like four years. So, yeah. Mm. So, you know, it is kind of, um, and a shame because that's a New Zealand director, but um, it is kind of a, I don't know. It's strange that we just fall back so easily onto that kind of trope because we have no other way of how can we create a character that is just a character that's just living their daily life. You know what I mean? Like it's always like yeah. dark and mysterious. Like they can't just be Joe from next door who happens to also be Thai Australian, you know? Like Yeah. yeah. I mean, what I think about the sort of impulse that I wanted to have when I was sort of exploring a lot of those themes in my work um, I was using my mom a lot as subject and a collaborator in, in producing works because I sort of found it was a way of incorporating myself into the works by focusing on her as sort of like a, uh, a protagonist in them. And a lot of that was this idea of um, just trying to portray her narrative uh, and just sort of the circumstances around you know, how she lives and breathes and sort of like recreates a sense of home, like Thailand, the country that she left in, in Australia through things like her garden, and the way that she worships at home in her shrines and that sort of stuff. Um, so really grounding cultural tradition and experience um, just through things like the domestic uh, mm. and through, through, you know, trying to incorporate her memories and, and archival documentation of her experiences into, into a work. What do you think, you know, like photography, as we know, was such a, well, has such a complicated history, I should say, with people of colour and, you know, it was used as an ethnographic tool and it was only used really to document people, not necessarily to give them a sense of um, themselves or an identity or, you know, I guess there's like thousands of archives, whether they're in a museum or a gallery or just someone's strange personal archive that they, you know, did years ago in the like twenties or something when they went and traveled around and took photos of 
of culture in different countries and you know you do employ photography in your work and I just wondered what you um, you know this is a really loaded question but I just wondered what you thought with uh, your use of photography and why you think using photography is important in your practice. I think it's interesting that you mentioned the sort of um, anthropological gaze, the history of that gaze with a lot of photography, just as a historical method of like recording and documenting uh, history and colonial exploits and all that sort of thing. I like the way that recorded images um, when viewed in different contexts take on different associations uh for me it has this really primal uh relationship to the way that i felt transported looking through family photo albums just uh being able to interrupt the flow and associations of those images that have really personally inscribed meanings to them i think it was just a tool that uh, was unique to the medium of photography, particularly this really, this way of bumbling through found images as well. And it's something, the power of that is something that I, uh, I enjoy exploring. I think <laughs> it has its own, it's, it has its own adaptability to different circumstances as well. So the fact that the image can be printed into you know different surfaces or materials and then it takes on its own spatial qualities and that sort of stuff as well it's just very flexible and adaptable and fluid um, and I think it's just a really vital way of trying to express a lot of the concerns that I have yeah um, yeah I also I think um, my mind is probably like um, polluted by like the cinemagraphic imagination. And so it um, means that that is like a limited way in which I can like anticipate and uh, materialize things in my head. So photography is like a very literal transposition of that sort of like influence. Um, uh, but it's also really fun to play with in that sense as well. Yeah, I think, um what I really enjoy, especially in this particular installation as well, is like, you know, the juxtaposition of images and how one image alone next to another one can just create such a different story from perhaps even the intention of what the photographer had. Um, you know, I we put out so many images into the world these days, and um, which I know I sound like an old person saying that, but it's true. We do put a lot of images out into the world. And... With that, you know, like not all of them are licensed or, you know, like don't copyrighted, don't use this, don't reproduce this. And so they then become free for all of us to just kind of take. And, you know, it's like meme culture where it's one image of someone and then you just put some text with it and it turns to something completely different. And I think that um, that's also something really beautiful about just a, an image. You know, it can just say so much. And then alongside another, it can even say something deeper or funnier or you know weirder or yeah i and i think that your work is really successful at doing that thank you yeah i think the um 
you're you're right in in sort of bringing up the ramifications of what like internet culture has for photo based practices um just this idea of like being able to remix uh context and that sort of stuff um i do think that uh yeah the, the more that i try to sort of scrutinize it i think it's like this dominance of like screen culture in my life that sort of is why I sort of fixate on like a two-dimensional plane um, as like a primal way of like image making or like as a starting point for a lot of the work that I do um, but I think it's also because like it does really open up a lot of access points for the types of things that I'm interested in um, so with this body of work a lot of the images are sort of glamour beauty shot type portraits of my hands like um tenderly holding orchids with with you know these sort of uh really um embellished nail extensions and um that's all really influenced by stock images of of hands modeling like different Thai dance positions um and that that sort of flat visual aesthetic as well um, and trying to use that as a starting point to create something that was a little more visually seductive or enticing. Hmm. There's also something slightly uncanny about it, you know, like um, it reminds me the largest hand one with the nails and the orchid that you have. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of that kind of weird, uncanny-ness vibe of um, Yvonne Todd's work, actually. Her yeah, yeah. Work, you know like where it is like a foot and a sock or a hand yeah. or it's not her um portrait work it kind of reminds me of that to be honest it's, there's something yeah. slightly odd about it yeah it's like the latent humor in just like the disembodied form because it just sort of reveals like just the strangeness like the body <laughs> like the way that like a part of a body is like able to be manipulated to then have like a cultural association with it and all of that sort of stuff but um yeah the even just like deadpan work is very flattering to be associated alongside i find it very hilarious that it is something as simple as a gesture like you've said you know just two hands pressed together that we associate that instantly with mm. Kind of cultural thing it's very you know and if I think of my own culture and for me there would be hand gestures that I would understand not maybe not necessarily everyone because they're not in popular culture but I mean I can't help but also think of my own experiences and yeah. and what um, I would do if I was going to do a similar project I guess uh, you know to, I think something to sort of wrap up is you just showed a, a new work recently in WA um, and if I'm thinking about when I first came across your practice, you know, it was really predominantly, at least the work I had seen was predominantly with the photographs and then bejeweled um, with the crystals. Uh, they were usually people. Um, and then obviously this work is involving more hands and looking at those kind of, I guess, stereotypes of culture or gesture and, and bodies. Um, I was wondering in terms of where you're maybe heading with in your work or your practice, where you see those original works of yours and um, your earlier practice sort of fitting in to this idea or 
were they a stepping off point that's led to this or, you know, like, will you go back or yeah. 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 I think, um, I think something that always entranced me about the use of like Swarovski's, especially in a lot of the earlier work that I sort of built my practice upon um, was just that they had an immediately transporting um, seductive quality that uh, I wanted to play with. And for me, they had just rich associations with just sort of like what you would deem like the kitschness of a lot of um, uh, like sh shrines and um, marketplaces and that sort of thing in Thailand. They spoke uh, my my mum's family and her own tastes being, I guess, uh, based around just what was pretty, for lack of a better word. So they had, um, and just thinking of like, you know, my mum's choice in clothes and jewellery and all that sort of stuff. It was just always stuff that was like very um, vibrant and appealing. Um, and it sort of communicated this sense of like, um, finding finding worth in sort of like uh, the embellishment and the decorous and that sort of thing. Um, because it was a really uh, humble way of just sort of expressing yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so I think for me, the new works that I'm making are just extensions of that approach to just like visual extravagance and the different ways of expressing um just seductive materials uh and that that have the potential to just really draw the eye and also um have this this conversation around sort of like i guess Mm, what you would call like a, it's like a, a, a question of like the hierarchy of, of taste and that sort of thing as well um and it sort of confronts that because it's you know being used in a context where it's assumed to be like an elevated object or an elevated like work um so i think that sort of like is an interesting conversation to have with the work uh, i think with new pieces it's just sort of like I think I'm just more drawn towards funny things now if that makes sense I just want to materialize works that um I would like to see <laughs> I don't really know how to articulate any stronger than that I just I just have um, strange little fixations on things that sort of tickle my fancy and conceptually it's all part of like a larger project that has a really sort of strong thematic connection based on like a body of work that I've created um, and it's just about pushing the boundaries and prodding that outwards. Um, sculptural things right now are fun for me just because of the studio challenge that they represent but there will always be a place in my heart for um, really time consuming, decorous, laborious procedures like uh, stoning things and sewing and sequins and beading and all of that sort of stuff. Um, just purely because I 
can do it. Uh, if everything else frustrates, at least I know that I have this set of skills that means I can just amass layers and layers of, of decoration like that. So yeah, a bit of a self own. I guess we should also, it's good for audiences to think about, um, you know, I can imagine this would be a question is, uh, why white guilt? Why that title? And why not G-U-I-L-T? Well, Talia, that's, it's a pun. It's a pun. I can't knock. <laughs> yeah, I've just been so clever. Um, yeah, I mean, it is, it was about, uh, you know, G-U-I-L-T in its conceptual stages um, because it was all about this idea of trying to prod this weird psychological terrain of why I felt so much anxiety or pressure to, you know, to do this and, you know, it was inherently part of being like a bratty kid and like disobeying authority. And it was also part of like the hyper awareness of how I guess it signaled me as other or different because it was something that I did uh, that no one else that I went to school had to do or anything like that. Um, but then uh, the, the, the guilt part of the pun, the way that it transformed just sort of took on um yeah just made sense in the context of one the sort of like uh added pressures of like any sort of like cultural performance and then the way that i felt that i maybe was addressing this idea that i was making up for that by investing so heavily in adult life into exploring the thai side of my family history that sort of thing um yeah and then it's also a play on just sort of like the material pleasures of the work so. i love it i just imagine someone would want to know so i think it's yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> short an the short answer is it's as it's as it's as uh, obvious as it seems <laughs> <laughs> um Thank you so much for joining me for this brief chat. Um, it's been really great to hear from you, you know, more about your practice and, and where it's going. And yeah, thank you again. Thank you.